And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Tuesday, May 25th is the day and the date. Michael Beller back with you here after being off for, I guess, for this show a little bit more then a month on paternity leave. Uh, Brandon, Jake, thanks so much for picking up the slack, carrying the load while I was gone. I, I think you guys did a great job. I'm going to be honest. Going to be honest with you. Didn't listen <laughs> to too many of the shows at the beginning. I caught up a little bit at the end when I was getting myself ready to get back in the swing of things and you know, frankly familiarize myself with what happened. So I, I caught some of the stuff at the end, but I, I know that you guys did an awesome job. So thanks so much, Jake. Great job steering the ship as the lead host. And uh, hey, I'm happy to be back with you guys here. Did, did you miss me? You missed me a lot, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I missed you, Beller. I there missed we you. Go. Welcome back, man, and congratulations. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, I was the three to excuses not to be on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> Is that different than any other week that's not in the season? <laughs> No, that's pretty much every week. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. Thanks again, guys. And hey, happy to be back with you. Happy to be talking football and happy that you know we've got some legitimate stuff to talk about uh, here. You're not always going to be the case uh, in late May, sort of a dead period, comfortably post-draft, still comfortably pre-training camp and everything. But we've got some good stuff to talk about and it all starts with Julio Jones and the news that was made yesterday. Julio, uh, did we ever find out if he knew that he was on air? Did we ever get an answer to that, whether he knew or he didn't know that he was on air with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless? No, I don't think we did. And that, it's funny you said that because I tweeted about it yesterday. It's like this seems kind of a trust situation with Sharp. Like yeah. you know, like that. That would if I'm a player, I'd be pretty annoyed. And like just not even Julio, like of anybody, or I wouldn't want to talk to him if you didn't tell me beforehand. Now, of course, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying like, how, how do you have something like that happen? And you don't know. But Sharp kept saying, thanks for calling me back, even though he was the one who called him. And it, it was just weird. It's, it's just we haven't gotten an answer. And I guess for the fact that Julio hasn't said anything, I guess he kind of knew. But at the same time, it did seem weird. I think if you're floating stuff in the world of Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless, you you know what possibly could happen. <laughs> know you know, and you, you only have the man in the mirror to blame if anything gets out. <laughs> uh, man, well, let, let's uh, let's dig into what he actually said. Right, he's out of there. He is he's out of Atlanta, according to Julio Jones. Obviously, things have to come together for that to actually end up happening. But let's assume, let's take him at his word, and let's say it does happen. This is going to be a major piece, real life and fantasy, on the move, going somewhere, changing the fortunes of the team he goes to and the team that he leaves behind. What are the best realistic fits? Where could Julio go realistically that we would love to see him go? Julio's going to be fine wherever he goes, but where's the, the situation best for him and best for the players around him? 
don't don't go to Tennessee. I'll, I'll be pissed if he goes to Tennessee and ruin my Josh yeah. Reynolds. <laughs> but no, and it also it just it ruins everything. Honestly, Tennessee, like we had this discussion last year, and this isn't like a victory lap situation because it could have skewed the other direction. Corey Davis could have been the one left out. But the argument that Brandon and I kept having last year is. There's just not enough in that offense. I don't want somebody taking away, and this is now, I don't want him taking away from A.J. Brown. It's not that I don't want him taking away from Josh Reynolds because, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek, as much as I like Josh Reynolds for that opportunity, let's be real about what he'd be with Julio, but it would just ruin A.J. Brown. Like, you're going to ruin something. And so I think if you're talking purely fantasy-wise, send him to Indianapolis. Uh, I don't know if they can make that work. Uh, that's mm. the biggest thing is the contract, and I think that's why we hear a lot of the Patriots and I know he he said that he wants to play there, which is just why, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know whatever it might be. But I think if you're looking, we're kind of taking in realistic situations and also plausible, like I guess for for cap cap situation wise, that mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like a whole lot of more. Maybe Las Vegas, but again, I don't know what their cap situation of them being able to squeeze it in there. But you're looking for a potential opening at number one, but also that doesn't destroy the rest of the value of somebody else. Yeah, I actually was thinking, and he wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't say he's a, a slam dunk number one, uh, but the Chargers, the Chargers, I think would be a good landing spot. Uh, Mike Williams is, uh, you know, he's kind of had a failure to be, failure to launch as a consistent uh, receiver, whether because of injury, or because of, you know, up and down targets and the nature of his game. But I would like a Keenan Allen, Julio Jones passing offense with Justin Herbert in year two. I could get there. Um, I think the point here is that there is no better place for Julio Jones in the NFL than to stay in Atlanta. And unfortunately, I think everything that, you know, is not Atlanta is at least a minor step down. I don't know that I can come to the, the, you, you know, think it'd be a step down in Indianapolis. I do. Yeah. I mean, with, See, I uh, don't. With well, first of all, I just think because Atlanta's defense, I don't expect to be good. Matt Ryan familiarity, I think Matt Ryan's a better quarterback. I think just, just uh, you know, there's adjustment periods that will happen no matter where he goes. And I just think there's a comfort level. There's the perfect environment. This has been one of the most pass-rich offenses for years now. Um, and he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, the number one guy there. Although, you know, Calvin Ridley, I'm sure we're going to talk about here is we can talk about whether he's the true number one or not. What does that do? Let's stick on that point actually for a second with with him potentially going uh, to. I mean, Indianapolis. I, I'm, I'm with Jake here. I think Indianapolis is the best fit when we're talking about an entire environmental picture of uh, of not having too much of an effect on the players who are already there, not having a deleterious effect the way that he would on AJ Brown. Like that would just crush AJ Brown, right? So I would love to see if it, if he does end up going somewhere. I think I'm with Jake that I would like it to be Indy. But then I'm also with you, Brandon, in that like the fantasy side of me doesn't want this to happen because Atlanta just feels like it's so set up well with Matt Ryan, Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts that this could be an offense that just you want to invest in in every which way, even getting in on you know Mike Davis just because this is going to be an offense that we figure should put up a lot of yards, put up a lot of points, and it's going to be a fun one to invest in. Do we end up downgrading up really what's the effect on Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts we can go to you first here Jake if this trade does go down is this as simple as Julio's gone stock up for these guys or is there an environmental argument to be made that Julio makes the whole offense better and taking that piece away hurts those guys just because the offense isn't as good 
No, it's Calvin Ridley. We've already seen the numbers without Julio Jones and that they go up. We we have them. But the good thing is, is that while Julio Jones is out there, they're still great. Like Calvin Ridley is Calvin Ridley at this point. You could argue that, you know, whether or not you see them talent disparity, whatever it might be, like Calvin Ridley's now slightly stepped in front of Julio Jones, uh, whether it's because of health, whether it's because at this point of his career, whether it's because of fit at this point of his career, whatever it might be. Ridley, for fantasy purposes, and arguably at this point of their careers, is the number one in Atlanta. So whether or not Julio's there, Calvin Ridley's great. Calvin Ridley's a top five wide receiver, and that's not going to change. Uh, the rest is Kyle Pitts goes from, hey, uh, you know, I had him in the way too early rankings at number five. You get no Julio, he could finish three. He could honestly finish two. Like, because we're talking about Jamar Chase and with the competition he has. We're talking about Jalen Waddell and competition he has. We talk about Devontae Smith walking to 100-plus targets. And that's where I want to go with it is if there is no Julio, Russell Gage isn't moving much up from his 110 targets from last year, which you already saw without Julio for, the, what is it, nine games or whatever it was. Zacchaeus is a nice slot guy. There are still free agent options out there. I brought this up yesterday on Twitter. I said, don't forget, you know, I, you know, I know Fitzgerald's probably done at this point, but Fitzgerald, Tim Patrick, Golden Tate, uh, who else is out there? There's a few like an Amadola, although sl- some of these are slot guys, but Alex Erickson. Still, like, there's guys out there where they're not saying they're ever going to replace Julio Jones. But my tweet yesterday was it's going to be Ridley, Pitts, and company. Like, Gage mm-hmm. probably repeats what he does last year, but his stock isn't really going to go up because he's Russell Gage. And then you, you got the rest of them. So Kyle Pitts could easily easily walk into 100 targets as a rookie, just like potentially Chase, just like Devontae Smith. And in that case, 100 targets, even for a rookie tight end like Kyle Pitts, you're now talking about he's on the heels of Darren Waller at number two or George Kittle. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, you know, I would wonder if they do end up trading him. Maybe they get a wide receiver piece back. Like if it was the Chargers, would the Chargers trade Mike Williams or something like that? But you know, there'll be guys that uh, get cut. Maybe a Jamison Crowder, another slot guy. But you know, of the ilk of maybe someone who's a summertime cut. You know, maybe Nando's boy is still out there. D.D. Westbrook is still out there. There you go. There you go. I think he was (laughs) rumored to be maybe talking with the the 49ers as well. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's somebody that's going to have to be there because look, it's hard. I mean, Calvin Ridley had 143 targets in in 15 games and he's going to get his. But like how high? I mean, it's he already was getting almost 10 per game. Like, is he going to go to 15? I don't think so. You know, Kyle Pitts is going to get a lot. Uh, but Russell Gage, Olamide, Zachers, like, you know, those guys aren't go-to guys. I would be surprised if they didn't bring somebody else in. At any rate, it's still going to be great for Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. You take a look at um, at MFL 10 ADP. You've got Matt Ryan sitting as the QB 13. This is just in uh, MFL 10s that have taken place in the month of May. He's sandwiched in between Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill. What happens to Matt Ryan? Uh, Brandon, you take this one first. What happens to Matt Ryan should this trade go down and suddenly he doesn't have the guy who he's had for, you know, basically their entire careers? Yeah, I have him at QB 15. Um, I yeah, I think he's right there. You could argue, I think, in that 11 to 16 range, a bunch of different ways there. Uh, still still going to be a, a high volume passing offense, if not, you know, if not even more, you know. So I don't know. I, I think uh, – not a whole lot changes with Matt Ryan's. Like we said, someone's going to step in to, to kind of replace Julio Jones, and maybe that's a lot more Kyle Pitts, which isn't a bad thing for Matt Ryan, um, given his you know unique abilities. And we think uh, we all seem to think that somebody else will come into the picture. So I don't think it would be a heavy hit for Matt Ryan. I think he stays in that kind of mid-teens area. Yeah, uh, 
by the way, how hard is it to read a damn sign that I put on my door that don't ring or knock? I mean, can't, I can't make it any freaking bigger. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, look, the, the fact this is Matt Ryan takes a ding. You know, you can't take yeah. Julio Jones off any offense and say it's not going to affect the quarterback. So now I think the answer is we, everybody wants us to have the answers. But I think as of right now, we don't know because if they don't bring back, if they only bring back trade, you know, draft capital, like, you know, they mm-hmm. get a first round pick and something else. And now we're talking about they do sign a random D.D. Westbrook type off. And now you're talking about an offense led by Calvin Ridley, Pitts and company. You have to dig Matt Ryan. If they get Mike Williams, not that Mike Williams is anywhere near Julio Jones, but that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. The problem with Matt Ryan now for fantasy purposes and what we're talking about is that he's in that group of the... You know, Tom Brady had an exceptional passing season last year, but that's the thing. He's like, unless you're having an otherworldly almost passing season, when you don't run anymore in these days, you're not finishing as a QB1. So Matt Ryan without Julio Jones, I just don't even see the appeal because he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback. Uh, He's not going to be somebody that I even want as my starter. And why do I want to back up who I can find on the waiver wires? Because you can go find the Matt Ryans of the world. I'd rather go and chase a... And I hate to say it, but I'd rather draft Daniel Jones because what if Daniel Jones looks like he does two years ago because he's going to run for 500 yards? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like, I want to chase somebody who can finish in the top 10. So Matt Ryan won't be on a single one of my rosters this year. That's with or without Julio, or is that just without Julio? That's without Julio. If it's if Julio doesn't go anywhere, and this ends up just being kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation, all of a sudden, uh-huh. like, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, Julio's on his team, Russell Wilson's <laughs> going, like, all these guys yeah. are just there, oh, and nobody moves sweaty. teams. <laughs> I can still see my, Matt Ryan as just what Brandon said, kind of like that QB 15. And if I uh-huh. waited and maybe I just got sniped a couple times by waiting too long, you know, maybe I pair Matt Ryan with a Daniel Jones because now I got the safe option of Matt Ryan, and now I'll take the gamble on, you know, somebody like that, or even a Jameis Winston with Matt Ryan. All right, prediction time. Week one, Julio Jones is playing where, Jake? I'm going to go back. I'm going to say Colts. I'm going to say Colts. Colts. I think Colts are going for it, man. They they need to. They they just got Carson Wentz. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the Raiders because it's just a, such a John Gruden thing to do. You know, he doesn't see age. <laughs> he just sees name. He's all about the uh, No, I brand. said something yesterday on a podcast. <laughs> I said that the most Raiders things that feels like to do is to go get Watson. That feels like the Raiders thing to do. Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I, Colts one would be fun. And I and I think another another thing that helps the Colts is how many we, – we've seen it with the 2017 Jaguars, the 2018 Bears, a team that is built on defense. That window can close pretty fast. And obviously yeah. the Colts have done some things structurally different after building the defense than the 2018 Bears did, than the 2017 Jaguars. But still, we've seen those teams pop up with one great year with defense and then the window close. I mean, you could even throw the 49ers in there. And obviously, they had mitigating circumstances with all the injuries that they had last season. But we've seen these great defenses have these big years and then fall right off the next season. The Colts have a window clearly here. Julio Jones addresses a major need, and he does so in a big way. So I would really like to see that from fantasy and real-life perspectives. Let's get on to DeAndre Swift here, guys. Anthony Lynn making a little bit of noise in the fantasy world uh, with our own Chris Burke and Nick Baumgartner. Uh, Anthony Lynn had a sit-down with those guys, the new Lions coach, talking to our two Lions beat writers. And he said that he looks at Jamal Williams as a, quote, A back, DeAndre Swift as a, quote, B back. Now, first, before we actually dig into this, 
Let's be honest about what he meant by that. He didn't mean A equals my number one guy and B equals my number two guy. It's his own personal football speak for what a guy does, what a guy's skill set is, A and B. So it's not as though he was coming out here and saying Jamal Williams is on top of the depth chart, DeAndre Swift is his compliment. However, he did seem to suggest that this was going to be a situation where both guys had meaningful roles in the offense. And, you know, DeAndre Swift was always going to share something with Jamal Williams once the Lions made that acquisition. But now we've got the coach on record saying that it could be something akin to an even split or a hot hand situation or whatever the case might be. Jake, uh, you just wrote a column on breakout running backs for the uh, 2021 season. We're not going to get into that here, but we still have our $1 a month subscription plan going, don't we? The deal? That still exists. So get in. You can see Jake's Jake's breakout running backs. I mean, what does this do to DeAndre Swift? He's obviously a candidate to be a breakout running back, but how are we feeling about him in relation to the other backs who he's going to be going around with this in mind? Yeah, we talked a little bit about it while you were out, and in my opinion, it hasn't changed. It's actually, DeAndre Swift is one of the ones that got the most pushback on on the early ranks because I had him in the mid-teens, and everybody, oh my God, you got, you're insane. Have you not seen DeAndre Swift? Meanwhile, what I referenced in the column, and Brandon knows this because he edited it last night, <laughs> is I had DeAndre Swift in my tier one of running backs last year. It was Taylor Swift and Dobbins. I just didn't guess I did it in order on like that on purpose again. So, you know, that's <laughs> the, those three. I love the talent. You can love a player and not love mm-hmm. a situation, and he's number three in the breakouts just so everybody so you can break out you can be excited for swift but you can also temper expectations and when i say temper expectations is because there's a lot that you've seen over the last month even before this happened where people are saying oh he's gonna be rb1 he's gonna be inside the top 10 he's so damn good and they are gonna be behind but all this type of thing is what you just mentioned is the a is the guy who can do it all for lynn what that suggests and what we see is the usage similar to Austin Eckler, which Austin Eckler, I mentioned this in the column too, at the beginning of last year, Austin Eckler was getting workhorse treatment. But as soon as he came back and in 2019 to bookend those two, it was a timeshare. And it was a timeshare where Kalen Balazs at the end of last year, despite Kalen Balazs being Kalen Balazs, was still on the field almost 30% of the time. There's no argument for Balazs even being out there remotely close to Austin Eckler talent-wise. But when you see Lynn, when you see this statement, when you also include the fact that Jamal Williams is a very, very good pass blocker and Swift mm-hmm. can struggle in that, you just have to be concerned that his touches are going to fall into a 12 to 16 range. Can he do more than most with 12 to 16? Absolutely. Austin Eckler has been a fringe RB1 with 12 to 16, but you can't draft him there ahead of a lot of guys who are going to touch the ball 17 to 20 times a game. And that's really what it comes down to. He can break out, but can he also still be people are going a little bit too crazy for him right now. Yeah, Jamal Williams' career will be known as just annoying fantasy managers for years, <laughs> yeah. taking down a lead back in front of him and, and just towing his value down. And yeah, I think, and Jake, I, I you know, it's funny. I think you must have said like three or four times in your write up on Deronda Swift. It's not that I don't love him and the talent, you know, it's just, and that's the thing. It's like when you're ranking these guys, you know, most of these guys that you're ranking in front of me, you're going to take in the first round. And the first round's all about eliminating the question marks. You want the mm-hmm. most. And, and there's such a, a, you know, there is such a good group of the top, you know, I think through the top 20, it's a really good group of running backs. They're, they're rock solid. So 
guys that have the most question marks get kind of start to fall to the bottom because you want to eliminate that when you're taking such a high investment in these guys. And that's I'm the same way. I have DeAndre Swift uh, 16 right now at running back. It's not because I don't love him, but because the guys in front of him have way less question marks. This is a whole new regime. There's been some, you know, as Jake mentioned, the usage with Austin Eckler in the past, Jamal Williams and what he can do and already kind of talking about him. It's like, yeah, okay, that's enough of a question mark right there that I'm going to take somebody else who I, I think is very, very close in talent you know, more more path to volume without any question marks in the mix. Well, we didn't even mention who's under center because yeah. you know it, it, the, mm-hmm. the stat that I threw out there. So for Jared Goff's career, fourteen point one percent of his targets to running backs, and that's yeah. with Todd Gurley for some time there, and that's with other talents back there. Fourteen point one percent for those for his career out of any quarterback who threw the ball at least a hundred times, he was eightieth, eightieth in that for the past two seasons. He's fifty seventh, which is dead last. 57th dead last targeting running backs 10.8% of the time. And yes, you can argue talent behind him still. Mm-hmm. We can, but also he's not, it's not like he's at 25%. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 10.8%. Yeah. yeah. And that's a little bit of an interesting question because it's like Philip Rivers went from the Chargers to the, to the Colts and, and did the same thing he did. But now Goff is going from, you know, McVay's system to somebody else's mm-hmm. system. And they may just say, you know what, you're going to have to, you're going to have to throw the ball. To the to the running back more, and well, plus you know, Perriman and Tyrell Williams might be done by week five, so he might not have a choice. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you know, it'll be an interesting. I mean, not to get off off topic, but it'll be an interesting thing with Jameis Winston. He's going to be asked yeah. to do the same thing. You never threw to the running backs. You're going to have to throw to Alvin Kamara because he's one of our, our and best. Yet he talents. still throws more than Jared Goff does. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you can take this at face value, right? I mean, we could say that anyone who was going to be on the Rams with McVay calling the plays and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup that they were going to have maybe be a lower percentage of passes thrown to running backs than someone in a different situation. We could try to neutralize for context all till we go blue in the face, but it would be hard to do that with this extreme of a percentage with Goff that we've seen. I think that's where you can take this and say, even if it's going to change a little bit, it's only going to be a little bit. And so we could see that bite into the value for DeAndre Swift. When we talk about ranking them, let's just take a look at how the early market is shaping up. You won't go through all of them. We'll just start here. So DeAndre Swift is, again, 13 at the among running backs in MFL 10 ADP in the month of May. 10's Austin Eckler, 11's Cam Akers, 12's Joe Mixon, 14 is Najee Harris, 15 is Antonio Gibson, 16 J.K. Dobbins, 17 Miles Sanders. I mean, it sounds like you guys are pushing him down further than where he's at and behind all those guys. All but Sanders. Same for me. Yeah, I'm at 16. I have Sanders at 17. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
All right, here it is. Miles Sanders. Uh, I, I'm I'm totally I'm in on a bounce back season for Miles Sanders. A lot of things went wrong for the Eagles last year. Things went wrong for him individually. Things went wrong for that team contextually. Just a lot of things went off the rails for that Eagles offense a season ago. I think they can bounce back in a big way with Jalen Hurts as the starter with Nick Sirianni running the show. And Miles Sanders repeatedly or reportedly loves this Nick Sirianni offense. It makes sense when you look at what Sirianni did with the Colts the last few seasons, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines. It's easy to see Miles Sanders fitting in in that offense. Now, I don't, I'm not saying you guys are crazy for having him as RB17. Frankly, both years of his career, he has fallen a little bit short of expectations. But when you come into this season and you look at Miles Sanders, what do you see, Jake? What do you think the reasonable expectations are for him in this new look Philadelphia offense? Uh, well, I'll start and say, yeah, it's easy to say that you're in love with an offense because you don't want to get left out again because you're part of the problem last year. Like, I'll be honest about it is you saw Miles Sanders started struggling in the passing game. I don't know that we can put a finger on it. Maybe it was an injury that he's masking. And, and in that case, maybe we can say, OK, there's more to it. But he was part of the problem. There was a lot that went wrong. You're right. Uh, I've mentioned many times how I like Jalen Rager as a value this year because everybody loved him in the middle of rounds last year and just cast him aside because, like Henry Ruggs, miscast, not ready to be number ones on a bad offense. The offensive line has issues. Offensive line is healthy, question mark, whether or not that means it's going to bounce right back because that's a lot of pieces that got hurt. So there is. But the one thing that tells me what I am concerned, if you look at Philadelphia and what they have done this offseason, they have done similar what the Ravens did. They're changing the offense to fit. Jalen Hurts, but the other thing they've done and has told me is they are not confident Miles Sanders bouncing back in the passing game, and that's my problem. Is he's not involved in the passing game, he's now a lesser version of a Nick Chubb or even a Josh Jacobs because they still have Boston Scott. They added on Johnson, who's a decent pass catcher. And of course, we could say whether or not he stays healthy, but the Kenneth Gainwell at addition, everything I'm watching them do in this backfield, and with the addition and you just mentioned with Sirianni, is they want to pass to the running backs, it looks like they're preparing that they need options at the pass-catching running back position. So, I'm off Sanders, mostly just because the volume. I, again, I'll, I think that he's now lesser Josh Jacobs from last year, as in a mid-RB2. Uh, yeah, Jake, you took my point exactly, which is like, are they sh representing that they are confident in Miles Sanders as a fully featured uh, three down back? I mean, when you go out and get those guys, I mean, it's exactly Kenneth Gainwell and, and Kerryon Johnson and Jordan Howard. It looks like they're they're grabbing a specialist for pretty much everything, you know, and it's uh, when the dust settles, it's like it's going to be hard. Like Miles Sanders has had more than 15 carries in seven of his 29 career games, and it just doesn't feel like and you know the the nearly having of his receiving production last year as Jake mentioned like when you look at all of that and what they've done this offseason it just doesn't feel like they're gearing up for it to be the Miles Sanders show in year three of his career here I feel like he's going to be limited to a guy that's like like DeAndre Swift where you really have to worry about how high can his volume get I, I love him as a talent I mean you know yeah. and average 5.3 oh. yards per carry I know we don't talk about yards per carry as the be-all end-all but in that show last year, the, the crap show in Philly, that he was able to bust off 5.3 yards per carry? Hey, you, that's not for nothing. I was just about to say that's really good. I'm glad you said that, Brent, Brandon, with the Swift. It's another one. Can love the player, cannot love the situation. Yeah. I feel I, I hear what you guys are saying on this, and I would be a fool to say that, you know, they made all these acquisitions for no reason. 
but it just seems like with his with his skill set and you look at Sirianni's history that he's going to have an opportunity to you know maybe not be the per game pass catcher he was as a rookie but something more than he was last season and we know that they're going to be putting more emphasis on the passing game to running backs. Uh, we saw it from Sirianni's history. And Lane Johnson himself has come out and said that this offense has uh, more emphasis on the screen game than anything that he's been a part of in Philadelphia. And, I mean, that just – I feel like that can still play to his strength even if they've brought in players who also could play to that strength in Philadelphia. Like Miles Sanders is the guy who, if they want to feature someone, it's going to be him. And so I think he's going to have the opportunity to push other guys out of the uh, rotation, not other guys infringing on him necessarily. Am I crazy for thinking that? You're not crazy. And I, you know, as a Sanders supporter, I hope you're right. But I just, again, let's also remember who's in charge. And let's remember for how many years (laughs) did we say with this backfield doesn't ever go with a bell cow. And now, Again, maybe Carryon Johnson's not even there from day one. But as of right now, even before we talk about the Jason Huntleys and Elijah uh, Holyfields of the world, we're still talking about right now Sanders, Scott, Carryon Johnson, and Kenneth Gainwell. There are legitimate mm-hmm. four guys. They are going to have four running backs on their upper opening day roster, yeah. and that's just again. I know Sirianni can do what he can do, but Sirianni is still working in a system where it could be all four of them are used every single week. And just that's the thing. Sanders topping out at 16, 17 touches every single week is just going to be maddening. And it's going to be one of those. We want more, but we just might not get Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I'll just go back to the depth that I talked about. It's like, go ahead. I mean, you can, you can like them all you want, but there's the question marks that Jake and I have been talking about. So how far are you willing to push them higher than where we have them at 16 or 17? Because you're going to start knocking down running backs that have less question marks. And they're really good. Jordan it's- Howard's there again. How is Jordan Howard on a team and Adrian <laughs> Peterson and Frank Gore aren't? Can we just get them back instead? Uh, Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz. Good, bad, neutral as it relates to Miles Sanders. I think anytime you add somebody with that rushing threat to open things up, uh, I would say good. But I would just go back to the offensive. Anything compared to last year's offensive line was going to help anybody back there anyway. But yeah, anytime you add somebody like Hertz who has the Kyler Murray rushing upside and that threat, you're going to open up the, this is why everybody sneak into the article, which again, you said the $1, you could go see why my number one player is there because the offense he's in, because people wanted the crappy running back that was on that team last year. I'm kind of dancing around it. (laughs) Brandon smiling. (laughs) That crappy running back that was going in the fifth or sixth round last year, people wanted only because of the quarterback in the offense he was on. Same thing here. I'm going to put up a poll uh, tied to this this, uh, podcast, seeing if people can guess who that running back you're referencing is, (laughs) obliquely referencing. I I mean, if they've seen the tweets, they know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One more thing on Miles Sanders here. So, again, let's dive into these MFL 10 ADPs. I say as I said, Miles Sanders, 17th, listed the guys who were above him. The next guy's off the board, just at the running back position here. You got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, RB18. Then you've got about a round difference before you get to RB19. You find a glut of guys, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Chris Carson, James Robinson. Fair to put Miles Sanders that far ahead of those guys? Should he be closer to those guys or any of those guys ahead of him for you? Brandon, could you get on the Josh Jacobs train ahead of Miles Sanders still, being the foremost Josh Jacobs fan uh, who doesn't? <laughs> Uh, have some sort of, I don't know, DNA share with him? Yeah, honestly, I think it's Chris Carson and David Montgomery that you could actually say because if they if 
those guys stay healthy. I mean, they. I think their path to to volume, like big volume, is much better. So, like, if those guys stay healthy, I think you could push that. Josh Jacobs is going to have a Kenyon Drake headwind of some sort, um, but I don't know that Carson and Montgomery have a whole lot of that. So, to me, those two of the three would stand out as guys that could push up to Miles Sanders if everything broke right. Yeah, I don't think the gap should be so big. I would actually take Edwards Lair before I took. Miles Sanders, I think he just went from being wildly overdrafted last year to now a value this season. Uh, but if you want to put Edwards Alaire there with Sanders, I don't care. I just I'm going to go with what Brandon was saying though. I don't think there should be a gap. And I, I'm people know this, and you know this especially, but I'm not the biggest Dave Montgomery fan. But Sanders, Carson, Montgomery, I'd even put Gaskin in that conversation. If all those guys are kind of in a similar group tier of production, I would expect for 2021. Montgomery's going to be an interesting one, and we can talk about him on another show. But, you know, Tariq Cohn was out for all of last season. He'll be back this year uh, with Tariq Cohn and Justin Fields in the picture. You know, I'm not sure how much of the Montgomery volume that he had last year, which was just immense, sticks around this season. But definitely someone who, when you get into this group of the running back position, has a path to some pretty big volume, even if Tariq Cohn is healthy all year. David Montgomery could have some, some massive volume. And also, as, don't forget that the, the last six games were against the like bottom eight run defenses yes. in the league. Oh, <laughs> I, I remember very well. I remember very well when I was arguing with people about the Bears screwing up their draft position just so they could sneak in <laughs> to the uh, to the playoffs and get the seventh playoff position that shouldn't even exist. Hey, that worked out. On, I was all ticked hey, off that the Giants went out. on the win streak. <laughs> And I was like so mad about it. And then the Bears saved them. They actually gave him a first runner for next year. And it's like, all right, you screwed yourself up. We'll, we'll help you next year. I think both teams are probably feeling pretty decent about it right yes. now. We'll see if that's true yes. a year from now, two years from now. But right now, I think both the Bears and Giants are happy with how the end of last season and the draft worked out for them. One team not happy with the way that last season worked out is uh, that team that the Bears just barely beat out for the final NFC playoff spot, the Arizona Cardinals. We know there's going to be a bit of a changing of the guard at the running back position for this team and Chase Edmonds, at least as we stand now. I don't know if he's on top of the depth chart. I don't know if he's in line with James Conner, but I know who we in the fantasy world want to see uh, run away with this job or at least have something of a 70 to 30 share of this job. It's Chase Edmonds. And uh, he himself told the Arizona Cardinals uh, team website that it's now or never for him to be the starter. I want to read the quote to you because I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty instructive about uh, how he's feeling going into this season. So he said, it's now or never about being a um, uh, the starter for the team. I finally got my opportunity really and truly in front of me to have a pretty big role in this offense. It's something I've been dying for, praying for since my first three years in the NFL. It seemed like it would never happen, but I finally got this opportunity and I've got to make the most through it. I'm ready to run through a damn wall. I'm ready to prove myself right. People don't understand how bad. I get what people are saying. I get the arguments and expletive. Who knows what that was? But I really couldn't care less. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to ball out this year. Now, first of all, love that he said couldn't care less and not could care less. So always giving the <laughs> thumbs up to proper grammar, especially proper grammar when you're fired up on the fly like Chase was in this situation. Are we buying this? I mean, can he do it? I tend to believe that... If guys were ever going to break through, it wouldn't take as long as it's going to be ultimately take Chase Edmonds if it does happen this season. There's always been mitigating circumstances there, but it feels like most guys, it happens for them by this stage of the career where Chase Edmonds has reached. So is it going to happen? Can we take this at face value? Can we say, yes, Chase Edmonds is 
RB2 with RB1 upside. Is that something you're willing to buy into, Brandon? Uh, not, not really. I, I think the problem here is that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great that Chase says that, but I think you know, the big value here has been that this Arizona offense has served up rushing touchdowns to Kenyon Drake, 18 of them in the last two years. Is, is Chase Edmonds going to get those or is James Conner going to get those? Um, the leading running back receiver has been right at 50 catches each of the last two years. Um, and is that going to go up with A.J. Green and Rondell Moore there? Are they going to throw more to the running backs now? I don't know that they will. I think the problem with this offense is it's sort of inconsistent for running for running back consistency. And I think James Conner is there to take enough away from Chase Edmonds that the best that Chase Edmonds could hope for is to be a back-end RB2. Um, as much as he's ready to run through a wall and all that, I think there's there are circumstances there that are going to limit that. And uh, honestly, when he had his opportunity last year and I was, was really watching him, I was really kind of unimpressed with him as a, as a lead guy and thought that he, you know, there was things when it, just watching him that I was like, eh, doesn't look like a, a, a true feature back to me. So just from the eye test. So I, I want to believe in Chase Edmonds, but I'm not going to get too excited because I, th- I think that's going to be one of the most overhyped things this summer is Chase Edmonds as a potential true breakout guy. I couldn't agree more. Uh, <laughs> oh, really I like the dramatic <laughs> pause there. Pregnant <laughs> pause. Very nice, Jake. <laughs> uh, the, the fact is, so let's, there's a twofold situation here is one is, you know, it, it comes down to injuries and there's a lot when we see injury optimism and people assume health and we have to assume health at this point. You know, we're assuming Aaron Rodgers is playing on his situation. We assume health, the people being ready for week one, all stuff. but with health specifically, it's the, uh, it's the inverse here. We're assuming James Conner's not going to play the entire season. And that's why the fantasy community is taking Chase Edmonds where he is. Because if we said right now, May, what is it? 25th that James Conner is healthy for 16 of the 17 games. Nobody's taking Chase Edmonds where he's going because we know it's going to be a timeshare because Chase Edmonds is a talented player. He was underrated coming out of college, but he still has his limitations. If you watch him play as much as you can be a fan, I like him. He, for all his burst and his agility, he sometimes hesitates going outside. He sometimes hesitates to make defenders miss, like waits a little too long. And maybe it's in his head and maybe that running through a wall, maybe that's in his own, like maybe somebody pointed that out to him. He's got coached up and say, Hey, look, you got to stop hesitating so much. You're not a giant running back at the same time. You got to stop shying away from what makes you good. So there is the upside there. There is the upside in the passing game. The big problem in the passing game too is He's terrible in pass blocking. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. where you want a pass catcher to just at least be admirable. Like Tariq Cohen's not a great pass catcher, pass blocker, but he's admirable. So he needs to improve in other areas where you can get him to even be in the lead. And that's the problem. James Conner right now is probably 60-40 on his side. Can Chase Edmonds be an RB3 with that? Absolutely. But I think to Brandon's point and what you kind of alluded to at the top – the cost is not there. The price is way too high. And I, unless it just drops and James Conner goes ballistic in week one of the preseason and people drop on Chase Edmonds, I just don't see Edmonds being on my teams. Yeah, you know, you look at their their ADPs right now in MFL 10s, and you've got Edmonds at 72, so that's the very last pick of the sixth round in a 12-team league. You've got Conner at 106. What's that, like the that ninth round, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean – isn't Connor the much better buy at price? Not even close, 100%. frankly. Not, not yet. three round almost discount. Absolutely, not even a question. Yeah. yeah, especially as Jake said, it could right now 
very well be a 60-40 in Connor's favor. Like, that could be the mindset right now of the coaching staff. Easily. So, Yeah, they, I mean, they brought him in. They signed him to – and this is things, too. And I know Connor has injuries every single year. Leonard Fournette was hurt in college in the first two full seasons of his career. He got hurt both times. Things can change. And I'm not saying you should bank on James Conner playing 16 games. On the flip side, who the hell expected Saquon Barkley to blow out his leg two years in a row? Like, so mm-hmm. it's just, you got you, you got to pick your poison here. It's like, you know, you can say into your optimism, but you also can't play the injury pessimist. You can't do one side without the other. You got to play both. Yes. Never predict injuries, whether it is good or bad. Always get you in. Oh, that's Todd Gurley. He's got no yeah. knee left. Then, then, yeah, <laughs> right. let's listen. That's a little different. That's a little different. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, we're going to wrap up on something that you wrote last week, Jake, your breakout quarterbacks. Uh, again, you're going through this whole breakout series. Get in, get Jake's Collins if you're not already, not already an Athletic subscriber for just $1 a month, go to theathletic.com. Nominated, not one. To do <laughs> so. <laughs> nominated. This is an award-nominated series <laughs> right here. We're going to talk about the breakout quarterbacks. I'm just going to say three of them off the top. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa. I would love to talk about them. We're already about 41 minutes deep in this episode. We don't have time to talk about them. And those guys, relative, you know, they sort of speak for themselves why they are breakout candidates. Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold are the other two guys in this column. And yeah, I know you have Sam Darnold fifth. He's down. That's the one I was hinting at with our boy Emery Hunt. Uh, you're you're low on Edmonds. You're predicting Darnold as a potential breakout quarterback. I mean, Emery probably thinks you're crazy, but make the argument. What is the argument that Sam Darnold can break out freed from the shackles of the Jets now with the Carolina Panthers? Well, so there's a couple things for everybody out there. The breakouts don't involve rookies like your boy Justin Fields. Yes. They don't involve people mm-hmm. who already broke out. Like for the running backs, I mentioned the fact, where's Jonathan Taylor going to break out from? He was already top seven. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> when you eliminate those, you get to the fifth one. And the fifth one's usually, and I like it anyway, I want to be more of a dice roll anyway, is kind mm-hmm. of the, what, what if? What if everything broke right? And look, I'm with Emery on Sam Darnold. We texted <laughs> the draft day. We texted the entire draft season of Sam Darnold. We still text today about the Sam Darnold and the people that just want to find excuses for him every chance they get. Michael Salvino. <laughs> just so you know, when it comes down to Sam Darnold, if there's a situation he's going to finally succeed in, similar to Ryan Tannehill, similar to like Ryan Fitzpatrick in a different aspect, but mm-hmm. more so Ryan Tannehill, 
is you put him with Matt Rule, you put him with Joe Brady, you put him with two coaches who just made Teddy Bridgewater fantasy relevant. And that's what we're talking about here. Sanders Arnold doesn't need to go out there and throw for 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns and justify being the number one pick. But you look at what he can do with the offense that's built around with Christian McCaffrey, with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, and the addition of Terrace Marshall, who brings another great receiver for him. And this team can go out here, the Carolina Panthers can say, look, there's there's signs. There's signs when you talk about his on-target percentage when he's had opportunities. There's signs from two years ago when he had opportunities. Again, there's not a whole lot to bank on out of a pure performance talent so far in the NFL. But if you put him in a scenario and you just saw what Teddy did, and you could say Sam Darnold could finish as QB 15-16. Not super exciting, but somebody that's a breakout for Sam Darnold. He was QB 28. So that's really what it comes down to. It's just really the situation, and they're going to do everything they can to make it work. I just marvel at how did Teddy Bridgewater produce three top 25 wide receivers throwing for 3,700 yards and 15 touchdowns? I just That just boggles <laughs> my mind. Funnel. Yeah, it's funneled. It was all to them. But yeah, and Teddy Bridgewater was, was QB 19 last year. And that wasn't great numbers. And Sam Darnold is mm-hmm. as much as you know Teddy Bridgewater is a game manager and a good player and, and less volatile probably than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, I few would argue that Sam Darnold doesn't have the, the a way higher ceiling than than Teddy Bridgewater. So if he just comes in and, and raises what Teddy Bridgewater did a little bit, that gets him right into the mid teens where Jake's talking about. Yeah, Teddy only threw for fifteen touchdowns. Yeah, last year. that's what I'm saying. It was crazy. 15? 15 touchdowns, 15. three top 25 wide receivers. <laughs> and that was with throwing throwing to Mike insane. Davis a lot, too. I mean, they they Samuel and DJ Moore got, you know, right, the some did some damage on the ground. A little bit, yeah. That's 15 nuts. 15 touchdowns. Yeah, 15 that touchdowns. Is, man, I would do, uh, talk about Do you know how many Daniel Jones threw for? <laughs> uh, well, I know I, I that's something you can't forget. But here he is also turning up on this uh, breakout list here. Jake, along with Darnold and the uh, the three guys who the case is pretty easy to make for, you've got Daniel Jones on here. I mean, how much of this how much of this leans on the rushing upside and what you talked about earlier that you need to have rushing upside to be a top ten quarterback these days? Look, it's that's exactly where people were taking him as a fringe QB one last year. It, it's you know I wrote about mm-hmm. him as a potential breakout last season because of the same reason: five hundred rushing yards and four, five, six rushing touchdowns. That alone, if you're competent at quarterback will put you in the fringe QB1 conversation. The problem was Daniel Jones was not competent. And the problem also is if we're making excuses, because that's what we're trying to to find excuses, like let's go back to 2020 preseason and pretend 2020 the season never happened for Daniel Jones. And now say you have a healthy Saquon Barkley, you have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, you drafted Kadarius Toney, you still have Evan Ingram who just hold on to the ball, and you added Kenny Galladay. If we took out 2020 and said, paint this scenario and add Kenny Galladay, people would be drafting Deion Jones as probably close to the top 10 if 2020 never happened. Of course, we can't ignore 2020, but the same reasons we were excited for him last year are the same reasons you can get excited for him this year. And now he's cost effective. He's o- he's almost free. So that's really what the appeal of Daniel Jones is in fantasy. Yeah, and let's not forget, as a thrower, Daniel Jones in his final seven games went out with four of those being 300-yard games and three of them being at least four touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, he had some massive passing games as well as a rookie in addition to being able to run a bit. Mm-hmm. And it was the you know, the thought was, okay, you just need us to, you know, limit the mistakes a little bit more, level off. Experience will do that, you know, and it didn't happen. But now he's got all the weapons, and now we're still kind of 
trying to remind ourselves, you know what? If he does level you know, out those mistakes and he got all those weapons, maybe we'll see a little bit, you know, maybe more of what we saw as a rookie in terms of the passing game. It's going to come down to pressure got- too, and I know that I know the Giants have sat here and similar to the Steelers told us they're okay with their offensive line, but and I won't throw out the numbers because it'll just get clustered trying to listen to them. But go to the article and look. Mm. The the it's almost baffling how big the difference is between. Daniel Jones under pressure and when he's not under pressure of how good he becomes when he's not under pressure, which makes sense, but it shouldn't be as big as it is. And that's on Daniel Jones. Yeah. Kenny Galladay has often been treated as a, you know, fringy wide receiver one by the fantasy world because the production has largely been there during his time in the league with Detroit. Uh, when we talk about him for Daniel Jones, we're more talking about what he brings to the table from a real life standpoint. Is he, can we call him a wide receiver one? Is he a wide receiver one or is he more a wide receiver two who's cast as a wide receiver one because of the teams that he's been on? Low two. Low two in a group with a lot of wide receivers that there's going to be. Here's the thing about Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay doesn't separate. That, that's but you have to have a quarterback who's willing to make those throws. and Daniel Jones has been aggressive at making some of those throws but his skill set is more if you go back to coming out of Duke is the short to intermediate game accuracy and he's actually hesitated at times to throw some of these passes so of course you know Galladay could help that but at the same time maybe Daniel Jones doesn't like throwing to somebody that that covered so it'll be interesting I don't think Galladay should be outside of where I, ha- I have him in the range of like a Robert Woods Adam Thielen Cooper Cup those kind of guys, yeah. and I mean, honestly, he's going to be a little bit touchdown reliant, so it comes back to Daniel Jones again. Yeah, I think to be a true number one, and like you talk about not talking about it, um, like you have, to, he's had a career high seventy catches, you know, and he's been in situations with a quarterback that's got one of the best arms in the league, and he's been the clear most talented guy there. He should. He should have been able to get more than that. Even when he was wide receiver number three overall a couple of years ago, he had 65 catches. It was all about making those big, you know, 11 touchdowns and and winning the contested deep ball stuff. But, you know, he's got to be able to be a chain mover to be a true number one. And I think. And that, and that came on like 115 and 120 yeah, targets. And he was yeah. still only catching seven yep, balls. Exactly. It, the, sort of off topic. And we are getting to the end of the show here. But are we more excited about. Marvin Jones in his new home at his fantasy draft price than we are about Kenny Galladay in his new home at his fantasy draft price. Is I'll just that, say I'm always I'm talking? always excited about Marvin Jones in terms of ADP. I think he's <laughs> yeah, always he told me cost yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, man, poor DeAndre Swift is looking around like uh, Will Smith in the last episode of The Fresh Prince. Right, he's in the he's in the living room. Oh, he's got Hawkinson with him forlornly. <laughs> Oh, that's a deep pull. Oh, I like man. that. All right. Well, I think that, yeah, right. Any Anytime you can sign off on a solid Fresh Prince, Fresh Prince reference, even if you stutter through the end of it, <laughs> I think you have to. So that is what we're going to do here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're doing it on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the app, whatever it might be. Don't forget, still get in the door for $1 a month, theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. Brandon, Jake, and I will be back with you next week. Until then, have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.